been quoting all the time that somebody did see the Lord. Why, you know all last night and tonight too when Jesus said, Philip, have I been so long time with you and you haven't seen the Father? You that seen me see the Father, now you come right up here and say, oh, my name is Talk about a deliverer. Oh, you are hung on one. Now, no man has seen God. But he said, that's not literal. Now he comes on over and he accepts by challenge. Well, I've already got the proposition signed. I'll just pass it on over to him and uh, let him have it. Bring it up here, Brother Rogers. Take it over that hymn, will you please? And so there you have the proposition already signed by me. And we let him put it exactly the same thing he said that he, I said that he wouldn't sign. Now we're going to take a uh, little more about uh, Elohim. He just simply can't tell what I say. He talks about Toddy says this and Toddy says that. And he said, Toddy said, Elohim means three persons. I never said any such thing, Mr. McGee. I said Elohim was plural. I didn't say how many it means. I said Elohim was plural. He said, Toddy says it means three persons. Why, it could mean three persons, it could mean two, or it could mean a thousand. It's just plural. That's all there is to that noun Elohim. It's plural. And you have to determine how many for the rest of the scripture. And then he says that uh, Isaiah 9, 6, not the name. Well, he's been telling us all the time it was the name. What did you use it for then, Mr. McGee? It was the name. What did you use it for? What was it? Lord, that Jesus is the Father of eternity. Well, nobody ever denied that. Well, you didn't have to prove that. Nobody ever denied that. You believe he was the Father? Yes, I believe he was the Father, just like uh, Isaiah 9, 6 said. Laugh a little bit. Life. Why, nobody ever denied that. Haven't you heard me stand here time and again and say that Abraham was the father, that all leaders of the Jewish nation were fathers? And didn't you hear me say that? Look at me. Don't talk to anybody say that, Mr. Didn't I say that? All Jewish leaders were fathers. You've heard me say that two or three times. You didn't hear it. Yes, he was a father. He was the everlasting father. But the Jews today pray and thank God for the father Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Of course that's right. Well, now he talks about equal. He's, he's debated my proposition tomorrow night, both nights. He can't do anything with his, and he's trying to get on to mine. He wants to know how that I'm going to make Jesus equal with God. Well, I'm going to let God do that. I'm not worrying about it at all. I know what I'm going to do, and tomorrow night we'll show it. But now he talks about one God being under the other God. Well, I think that's easy to see. Now, he's been saying that the Son is the flesh. What did he do with Matthew 25, 31? You talk about deliberately letting things alone. You deliberately let that alone. And when the Son of Man shall come in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then shall he set upon the throne of his glory, and all nations will be gathered before him. Who'll be doing that, Mr. McGee? Tell us. Who'll be sitting upon the throne of his glory? The Bible says the sun will be sitting up there. You say the sun's flesh. All humanity. You still say that? Then the flesh will be sitting upon the throne of his glory. 
And when Stephen said, And I saw the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God, the flesh was standing at the right hand of God. And the Bible definitely says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Hold my time. Let him talk some more. The Bible says that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Do I need to point out to Mr. Totty that the Bible makes it clear that the Son in heaven is present as to his glorified humanity, glorified, yes, and flesh, yes, but without blood. He poured out his blood on the cross. He's not there as to flesh and blood. I never said it, but he is there as to the body of his glorified humanity. And in the body of his glorified humanity, he's returning, as Zechariah says, they will look upon him whom they have pierced. And they'll ask him the meaning of the prince in his hands, and he'll say, these are they with which I was wounded in the house of my friend. <laughs> well, I've had a lot of debates in my life, but I've never had one I enjoyed any more than this one. I've never seen a man as tangled up. Flesh and blood, life a little, life. Let's have a big hearty life. Then I'm going to show you something. You better laugh before I say this. You might not feel like it afterwards. All right, he said, yes, the Bible says flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of heaven, but they took all Christ's blood out and took the flesh. Now that's his idea. Isn't that foolish? That's so ridiculously absurd, it's absurdly ridiculous. Flesh and blood can't go that, but flesh can go that. You'll drain all the blood out of a man, he can go. I'd be ashamed of that. What kind of a plain positive package did you, you use to paint turkey satisfy? You certainly need one. You want to help me? You want to help him? Just come right along. We don't care. This is nobody here tonight but us. You want to help him? Well, you just come right along. Now, you know what that reminds me of? Not long ago out in Kansas, there was a Catholic priest wanting a license to sell beer in a Catholic church. And they, the thing came up in court and they said the law says you can't sell beer within 200 feet of a church. You can get in. Now he says he's against mechanical debates. I think he could just said I'm against debates and left the mechanical out, or at least he will be, and he gets done this. He doesn't want it on the board. That's what he calls it, mechanical debate. He's like the Catholic Church during the Dark Ages. He doesn't want the people to see the Bible. Chain the Bible and keep the people from seeing it. Tell if you put it up there, they'll see it. I want them to see it. And then that awful, blunder he made over in Genesis 3.22 when God said the man has become as one of us. Who was the us? Why, he said that was the cherubim that God was talking to. Well, let's give him another one there. In the first chapter of Genesis, God said, let us make man. Let us make him in our own image. Was that the image of the cherubim or the image of God? Want to get up? I believe you need to get up again. 
I'll get it, he says. <laughs> yes, I'll get it, just like I'm getting it tonight. Now, don't you see that? He tried to get out. He blunders. He's twisted the Bible around. He said that meant the cherubims. God pulled, uh, called up a group of cherubims. And he said, now listen, cherubim, that man down there has become as one of us. Which one was it, a cherubim or a god? Which one was it? He said, one of us. You think you know which one? Have you got a direct revelation? Tell us which one. Was it a cherubim or a god? He has become as one of us. Yes, but when he made him in his own image, what does that mean? You didn't know that as that, did you? A false teacher never sees a foot in front of his nose. Now when he made us over there, mean God plus cherubims, then God made him in the likeness of what? In his image? Talk to me. Don't talk to him. I want to hear you talk to him. Turn around here. I want to see you when you talk. You see what he's gotten into now. Now he said, Jesus said, I am the light. Yes, Jesus said, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. But he said, when he left, he said, you're the light. Talking to the people. He didn't read all that to you. He just reads what he wants to. Now, he says there are two in his deity. I want to chart on the number one chart on John 8, 16. And turn the lights out, please. Now, did you hear him garble that up? And yet, if I judge, my judgment is true, for I am not alone. The only difference in what God said in the Garden of Eden and the devil was that little mark. The only Jesus Christ said, and Mr. McGee is that little mouth. Mr. McGee says he is alone. God said, I'm not alone. I am not alone, but I am the Father that sent me. And then said it is also written in your law. That's the testimony of two men. It's true. That's two P.W.O. Jesus said that. They're M.E.N. Men. Jesus said that. That's not what I'm saying. That's the reason he doesn't like mechanical debate. And then under that, I am one. How many are you, Jesus? I am one. And that's my witness myself. And the Father that sent me bears witness of me. I am one plus another one. That makes two. And if Jesus Christ didn't mean that two, he made a false argument based upon the premise of the Old Testament. That, that it's written in your law that the testimony of two men is true, so I'm telling you the truth. Because there are two of us saying it. I'm saying it, and the Father's saying it. Let me tell you, my friends, prejudice is a dangerous thing. If you let prejudice keep you from seeing that, and that's the only thing can. Profound ignorance and prejudice, and I know you people are not ignorant. Now, if you see that, it says there are two that bear record. All right, now chart says there are three that bear record in heaven. We've got the two here. Now we're going to get the spirit. Give me that chart, please. He says there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. And these three are one. Three that bear record in heaven. Now is that easy to understand? For there are three. That in heaven. Who are they, Lord? The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. 
as these three are one, just as a man and his wife are one, just as Christians are one. Now I want number six. I believe that's the chart of the mediator. There it is. And there is one God and one mediator between God and the man Christ Jesus. God upon the earth. Jesus standing between God and the sinner. And he's making intercession for him. And in John the second chapter, the first verse, there Jesus Christ said that uh, and if these things write on you, little children, that you sin not, but if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the right. The word advocate means a lawyer that stands between the offended and the offender and pleads the case of the offender. All right. Now we go to the verse where he said, and I'll pray the Father. I want that. I'll pray the Father, and he'll give you another comforter. Here we have it. I'll pray the Father. I is the pronoun in the first person saying. I will pray. Pray is a transitive verb. I'll pray the Father. Father is the object of the verb. And Jesus, Father, and he is a personal pronoun. The Father will give you another comforter. The adjective another. Make it impossible to be the one that had been. And Jesus was the one that had been. And so he says, I'll give you another comfort. Now that doesn't need any passage to interpret that. That's plain, positive, and anybody can understand. Jesus said, I'm going away. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come again. And whither I go, thou knowest, and the way thou knowest. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not where you go, nor how you go. Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And because Jesus said, I'm going away, their hearts were made sorry. And then in the 16th chapter, in the 7th verse, he said, I'm telling you the truth about it. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it's necessary that I go away. For if I don't go the way, the comforter will not come unto you. What is the comforter? John 14, 26. And when the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, is come, he'll teach you all things. So we have the comforter there. And that is the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, if I don't go away, he won't come. No, he won't. That's right. He wouldn't come if Jesus stayed here. Now, if Jesus and the Holy Spirit were all the same, would Jesus have to run out the yard and close the door and then run back in? You know better than that. You're too intelligent to believe a thing like that. No, he doesn't know that. You people are intelligent enough to know that. Jesus wouldn't have had to run off somewhere and then come running back. I was the son when I ran out the door. I'm the Holy Spirit now when I come back. I'll be the father after a while. Isn't that ridiculously absurd? Now that's what they got the revelation in 19 and 14. Claim the Lord gave it to them. No wonder that nobody knew about it under the 19 and 14. Then little David came with that fantastic, unmitigated tale that God took him up into heaven and kept him five hours. Told him a lot of stuff. You ought to have him down here tonight. He's never had you to heaven. Looks like you get the fellow that's been up there with God a while. 
Did God, did little David see? You said tonight no man seen him. David said he saw it. Why, little David said he saw him, said he went up there with him. Mayhem, uh, 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 White said she saw it. Said she stayed up there. He took her in the Holy of Holies and showed her a lot of stuff. She came back and told him. Little David came back and tried to tell him. But where did poor old Huckster get to fallen after that? What happened to him? Where is he? You see, though the uh, a transgressor, the way of a transgressor's heart. You may fool some of the people some of the time, but you can't fool all the people all the time. Abraham Lincoln said that. That is the Bible. That's Abraham Lincoln. But you know when Jesus said, if I don't go away, the comforter will not come. Now let's go back over to Matthew 20. When Jesus said, all authority, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. You can't have a gift without two persons. It, it's been given. Suppose some man would turn in his tax return and he'd bark on there, I gave away a thousand dollars. The tax investigator come out and say, to whom did you give that thousand dollars? Why, I didn't give it to anybody. I gave it to myself. Where would he land? You know better than that. Did you ever hear of anybody getting into trouble with the tax assessment? Any of you fellows around here ever hear of anybody getting into trouble with the tax investigators? Did you? If you do, you know what will happen, and I know you've heard it. And you know what will happen when you go trying to do things like that. Well, they know better than that. But then when God comes along and says that he gave his son, they say he didn't do it. The son was God. And he just gave himself. Why in John 3.16 it says, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God, hear this, for God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now I want again to call your attention to Philippians 2, 5, and 6, where Paul said, Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus who, being in the form of God, thought it not equal, a robbery to be equal with God. All those scriptures, they're just one after the other. Let me tell you, my friends, the truth is like an nickel. The more you rub it, the brighter it shines. That's the reason I like debates. You people have heard things tonight and last night you never would have heard if you hadn't had a debate. You've seen it on the board over there. You don't hear your preachers talking about their three that bear record in heaven. Why, he tried to reflect on that last night and said, you know that's doubtful. Well, I don't know any such thing. He thought it was scripture they did in 1914. Of course, he wasn't in the world in 1914. But there is one of our preachers by the name of Mr. Welch over here at Pensacola, Florida, who can debate rings around this man, and he, he was here then. He was here when they got the revelation. Got it from heaven. God told them, now listen, there's just one person in the Godhead. But he let people go for almost 2,000 years believing there were three. And then came to them and told them that there are just, is just one. Now you can see, my friends, that there isn't anything to that stuff. That he's trying to, and he says that he was made in his image. I've already noticed that. He was made in the image of God, not in the image of cherubims. 
as he would have you think, but in the image of God. God is a person. Well, first chapter of Hebrews, the fourth verse, calls him a person. That Jesus was made in the likeness of his person. And then we have the pronouns, the personal pronouns that refer to the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is a person. And Colossians 2, 9, and Jesus is the, in him dwelleth all the fullness. And that word fullness means all the power, all the glory of the Godhead. If there weren't more than one, that, that statement never would have been in the Bible. Thank you. The end of the first two nights of debate. Mr. Moderators, ladies and gentlemen. It's indeed a pleasure for me to have this opportunity of coming here tonight to affirm this proposition which you have heard read. These propositions were written by the opposite side. We had nothing to do with the writing of them. We've given in to every point all the way along. They've had every point in favor of their own way. If I had written them, they wouldn't be as awkward as they are. They would embrace the same thought. And so therefore, we do not object to them. But they were not written by us. The affirmative always has the right to write his propositions, but sometimes they are not. Now, don't think that I don't believe this proposition, because I believe it with all of my heart, but it is a little awkward. Now, I'm going to read it to you, and then I'll define it. Resolve that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons. That's the first part. God, we mean by God, the Godhead. As is stated in the second chapter of Colossians in the ninth verse, when it said, And in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead body. Exists, eternally exists, by eternally we mean everlasting that there is no end, there was no beginning, and that God exists, that is, that he is a being, he is alive, he is alive at this time, he will ever be alive. In three, by three, we simply mean one, two, three, that's it. Co-equal, by co-equal, we mean they have the same authority, the same rank and etc. as we say about any other. Persons, by persons, we mean animate persons. By persons who are intelligent, the very uh, being of God and his work shows intelligence. So we mean that, person, not inanimate objects, but live persons, actually. God the Father. By the Father, we mean the Father of the Son, Jesus Christ. The Son, we mean the, the Jesus Christ, the one that was born into the world. The one of which the Bible says in Matthew 25, 31, that he is set upon the throne of his glory when he comes. And the Holy Ghost, for the Holy Ghost, we mean the equal person in the Godhead who brought the message of salvation to the people in the beginning. That is, the first sermon that was ever preached was preached by the direction of the Holy Spirit, the first sermon in the name of Christ, and on through, that everything was inspired by that. So that's my definition of that. That's what I'm affirming tonight. 
Now, last night after we had dismissed, uh, Mr. McGee came over to me and said that I said he was a false teacher and did I want to take it back or stand by. Of course I didn't want to take it back. If I had, I wouldn't have said it in the first place. If I didn't believe he was a false teacher, I wouldn't be debating with him. I wonder if he thinks that I'd be debating with the truth. I have the truth, and truth is not uh, inconsistent. And so therefore, of course he's a false teacher, I wouldn't be here debating with him. But he seemed very much put up about that. He reflected on my integrity the night before we started by saying that I had said he's a false teacher. Now the first night when he made his first speech, he said, and this is taken from the recording, so my opponent tonight denies Christ's deity. I'm urging you people to tell far and wide tonight that the so-called Church of Christ makes no bones about it. They deny the deity of Jesus. The next night he came back and he said, if they do not deny the deity of Christ, then why pray tell me why we are all here? I called him thinking that and he denied that he ever said that. Had to play the tape back to get it. And here it is tonight, just what he said. He becomes very much hurt and assumes a martyr complex because I said he's a false teacher. Yet he can tell things that are false about us. He can get up and say that we do not believe in the deity of Jesus Christ when that isn't a word of truth in it, not even a syllable of truth in it. But he has no apology whatsoever to make for that but becomes very much offended because somebody would insinuate or say that he's a false teacher. I never saw a worse one in my life, and I've seen a lot of them. So I have nothing to take back on that when he gets ready to apologize for the untrue thing he said about the Church of Christ. And he said, I want you to tell it far and near that they make no bones in denying the deity of Christ. Satan in the Garden of Eden never contested a more untruth than that. That's what he said about the Church of Christ. Yet he gets very much offended because I suggested that he's a false teacher, a thing which he is, and which I'm proving beyond the shadow of a doubt. Now let him prove that we do not believe in the deity of Christ, and then I'll apologize to him. Well, now to my proposition tonight. I'm going to start first verse in the Bible. I have said that there are three persons in the Godhead. Those three persons are co-equal. The first thing to do is prove that there are three persons. If I can't prove that, then there's no need to go to the next point, because I've lost it. And I want to say again tonight to the people of the Church of Christ here that we appreciate your action and we want you to continue to do that. If you're attending this discussion and you're not a member of the Church of Christ nor a member of the other church in this discussion either. We want you to know that the people who are doing all the carrying on do not belong to the Church of Christ. You never see that in the Church of Christ. We don't do that. We don't, uh, the truth doesn't need that sort of help. The truth will stand alone. And the speaker for the Church of Christ doesn't need hand clapping and amening and uh, laughing and all that, like they did in Ephesus when Paul was talking before the worshippers of Diana. 
When Paul began to lay the truth before them, they began to shout and to holler and to squall and to clap their hands and to yell, and they did it for the space of two hours. What was the reason? They knew old Diana needed it. Paul didn't have the others around there doing that. And when Isaiah, in the 18th chapter first, uh, 18th chapter first Kings, when Isaiah was cutting the worshippers of Baal with the sword of the Spirit, they began to jump and to yell and to tear their clothes and to cry and all that. I, uh, Isaiah didn't have anybody like that. Eli Elijah, I mean, had nobody like that. He didn't need it. The truth doesn't depend upon that. The truth depends upon God's word. Anytime you see people shouting and crying and clapping their hands and laughing, trying to laugh an opponent down, they know their man's losing. That's the best evidence in the world. When Jesus went in to raise the daughter of Jairus, and he said that she's not dead, she sleeps, what did they do? Oh, they put up the yell and laughed in the storm. Did that keep him from raising the daughter from the dead? Of course not. So we just don't deal in that. Now to the first verse in the Bible. That's Genesis 1-1. There the Bible says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. There you've got the Father. In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was void and without form. And the Spirit moved upon the face of the water. You've got number two there. The Spirit moved upon the face of the water. Then after God had created those things, he had done it by Jesus Christ. I call your attention now to John, the first chapter in the first two, three verses. It says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. And all things were made by him, and without him not anything was made that was made. The Greek Westcott and Hart Greek New Testament says, and without him, not one thing was made that was made. There's the number three in the Godhead. So that we have established beyond the shadow of a doubt that we have three. We have God. We have the Spirit moving upon the face of the water. We have Jesus Christ, the Word, that by him all things were made. And then we turn down to the 26th verse. And we hear God after he created all the things. He said, now let us make man. To whom was he speaking? My opponent last night shocked the intelligence, I suppose, of about every thinking person by saying God was talking to the cherubim. Why, he called in a group of cherubim. And he got them around him and he said, now let us make man. What did they have to do with what God made? The Bible doesn't say he made it by cherubim, he said it made it by Christ. But my opponent was trying to get out of a hard place, and his uh, members couldn't laugh him out of it, so he said now, that was a group of cherubim that he was talking to. And then when he had said his say on that, and I always have a, a way of sort of letting a fellow talk quite a bit, then when he talks a while, we just cut his head off. So I let him talk about his cherubims a while, and I said, yes, but God went on to say, and let him make it, make it, let us make him in our own image. Now, which one of the cherubims did man look like? He didn't answer that. 
Did he make him in the image of the cherubims, or did he make him part in the image of the cherubims and part in the image of God? Well, we've got that established there, that there were more than one in that because God said that. Then we come over to the, uh, the third chapter in the 22nd verse, and we hear him again when he uses that expression. And behold, the man has become as one, as one who, as one of us. You can't say that unless there are more than one there, and it's not cherubims either. He hadn't become as the cherubim. He had become as one of us to know good from evil. Now, that language could not apply to anything but God. He has become as one of us. Not as he said in the first night, he's become one of us. He has become as one of us. Now, I want on the... Uh, Green, I want the chart. There are three that bear record to help. I want to keep that before the people. I want you to see. In my proposition tonight, I'm saying that there are three persons. And so we'll take that. Judge says, For there are three that bear record in heaven. How many? The Bible says three. My opponent says that's not so. He even went on to say the first night that. Uh, the scholar that taught he is, he knows that's doubtful. Well, I don't know it. I haven't learned that much, not even from him. That's the Bible. The Bible says there are three that bear record in heaven. The Father, the Word, and the Holy Ghost. We've got the Father, we've got Jesus, we've got the Holy Ghost. The Bible says that's three. Well, the Bible wouldn't even have to tell us that. We could count the three. And we see when he named them that they are three. But unless somebody couldn't count, the Bible says the Father, the Word, and the Holy Spirit, and he says that makes three. Well, it does. These little children know that makes three. And then he says, and these three, these how many? These three are one. Now, it, just like, let's have laugh a little bit. He needs the help, and we'll be glad to let you have the time to do it. You can have a big laugh out of that. Now, these three are one. You can't make one substance out of three. I mean one person out of three persons. You may make three pieces out of one by cutting him up, but you can't make one individual person out of three. You certainly can. A man that would claim that would be caught looking into a pool trying to see invisible fish. Anybody that say that you can make one individual person out of three. You can't do that. You can take some sort of a substance and cut it into three pieces, divide it in, but you can't take three and make one out of it. Now, if you can do that, we want to see him do it. All right, then there are three, and these three are one. But how are they one? Now, there's the question we're going to show you. The Bible says, that Jesus Christ in the 17th chapter of John, the 20th, the 21st verse, and the 22nd, he said, Neither pray I for these alone, but for all them who shall believe on me through thy word. Now that means every individual born again person on earth that believe on me through thy word, that they all may be one. Now, do you believe that? That they all may be one. Does that mean one great big man? Why, that's nonsensical, of course. That they all may be one. 
as thou, Father, in me and I in thee, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And then he went on in the next verse to say, The glory that thou hast given me, I have given them, that they may be one. Who may be one? Every born-again person in the world may be one. Lord, how on earth is that going to be? Jesus told it in that verse. Even as we are one. Well, now, if all the Christians are one like God's one, they're not one in person, are they? Now, that's my opponent's doctrine, that they're all one in person, that there is but one. And Jesus then prayed that God would make every person who obeys the gospel into one big person, as we are one. I wonder if, if he knows what as means that. Make them one just like we're one. Make them one as we're one. Don't you see that? Is there anybody who doesn't see that? Can it be possible to be possible that there's somebody here besides my opponent tonight who doesn't see that? Make us one as we're one. How are you going to make them one? Just like God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are one. That's too simple to need any explanation. And then we go to Galatians, the third chapter, and we start there with the 27th verse. For you're all children, 26, for you're all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ to put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, bond or free, male nor female, for you're all one. Every Jew, everybody in the world says is one. There's no more Jew. There's no more Gentile. There's no more female and male. They are all one in Christ. Now that isn't hard to understand, is it? Why, everybody knows that. We know that God didn't mean one big person. We know that God doesn't mean that we're all fused into one person when we obey the gospel. We know that he means one in thought, one in action. To, to prove that, let's turn to 1 Corinthians, the first chapter, and begin with the 10th verse. There Paul says, I beseech you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same thing, that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly joined together in the same mind and in the same judgment. That's the way we are one. That's the way the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are one. But another verse on that. I call your attention now to Ephesians 2.15. And there Paul says, Having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of commandments contained in ordinances, for to make of the two one new man, so making peace. Now Paul says that, that when Jesus Christ died, that he made the Jew and the Gentile all one man. Did you ever see that man? Would you expect to see a great giant walking down the street? No, we've got too much sense for that. We know what he means. We know that he tore down the old law of Moses that separated the, the, the Gentile from the, law, from the uh, Jews and that he put another law that brought us all in together and made us one. Why we don't have any trouble uh, misunderstanding that? That's too easy not to misunderstand. It would be a reflection upon our intelligence if we didn't know that. All right, look at this over here. When he says that, 
that they are one. They are one house. Why, my opponent can't tell you an intelligent way to save his soul, how they can be one except one in the Father, one in the Son, and one in the Holy Spirit. That's exactly the way it is, and that's the way exactly the way it'll stand. I want him to tell us how he can take three and make one out of it. Now remember that he's got to take three men and make one man out of them. Because God said you make them one just like we're one. Now let's see him do that. I don't think he can do that. Now suppose that you were to go to a psychiatrist. Or some man would go to a psychiatrist. And he'd talk to the psychiatrist like my opponent preached. Why the psychiatrist would want to get back behind and find out something about his background. He'd say, sir, who is your father? And the man would look at him and say, why, I'm my own father. And he'd say, well, do you have any sons? He'd say, yes, I've got one. Well, who is he? Well, I'm my son. You think he'd ask another question? Why, he'd motion to his nurse to call the man with the white jacket. That'd be all he'd have to say. But my opponent preaches that. He preaches, he preaches that God is the father and he's the son too. He's the father and he's his own son's father. Oh, the son is his own father. It's hard to even get that straight. You have to think about it. He keeps getting mixed up. He even say it. There isn't any sense to it at all. And so that's the way it stands tonight. Jesus is one, the Father's one, and the Holy Ghost is one. Oh, but he says they're not persons. Well, let's have the lights. I'm going to see about that now. We'll turn now to the first chapter of Hebrews. We've read that before. And there the Hebrew writer said, God who had sundered time and divers manners spoken time past unto the fathers by the prophets, as in these last days spoken unto us by his son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, whose person? The Father's person. He's the express image of the Father's person. Now we see the Father has a person, and if he says they're all one person, then they've all got a person. And if he makes that sort of an argument, he's surrendered his own contention. And there is the person. He's the express image of his Father's person. What sort of pronoun did Paul use there? He used a personal pronoun. A personal pronoun applies to a person. Somebody shook his head back there, but Paul didn't. I wonder if he doesn't know his is a personal pronoun. Yes, his is a personal pronoun. And that's what he called. His express image of his person. And then he goes on down, but under the throne he says, Thy throne. Oh, God, under the sun, he says, thy throne, thy is a personal pronoun. But we've got to get away from that now and show it on the Holy Spirit. Is he a person? All right, you turn with me now to the 16th chapter of John, and we'll begin reading with the 7th verse. Jesus said, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, he, person, will come unto you. And when he, person, is come, he, person, will reprove the world of sin of righteousness and of judgment. 
of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and receive it more, of judgment because the prince of this world is just. I have yet many other things to say unto you, but you cannot be it bear them now. How be it when he, not it, but when he person, the spirit of truth is come, he'll bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I said unto you. Now there's your person. Now I want to chart where it says, uh, talking about the three in the Godhead, not John 1, 7, but where it says, talking about, I'll pray of sin because they believe not on me, of righteousness because I go to my Father and you see me no more, of judgment because the prince of this world is just. I have yet many other things to say unto you, but you cannot bear them now. How be it when he, not it, but when he, person, the spirit of truth is come, he'll bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I said unto you. Now there's your person. Now I want to chart where it says, uh, talking about the three in the Godhead, not John 1, 7, but where it says, talking about, I'll pray the Father, and he'll give you another comfort. We'll talk about that. I'll pray the Father, and he, person, will give you another comfort. I is the first person singer. I refers to a person, too. The first person singer. I will pray. Pray is a transitive verb. Father is the object of the verb. And he, Father, is the antecedent of the pronoun he. And he is a personal pronoun. Means he's talking about a person. He will give you another comforter. The comforter there is the Holy Spirit. It's not the one that had been Jesus. It's another. Even the Spirit of Truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither knows him, not knows it, but knows him, a person, and doesn't see him. Now there are your three persons, right there in that verse. Just leave it on a little while and let everybody see it. There are your three persons. You do not use personal pronouns so loosely like that if you know the English language at all. That refers to a person. The personal pronoun is the antecedent of a person, a name of a person. And we've got it there. I want him to analyze that. I want to just leave that on there and let my opponent analyze it. He never has. So again tonight, for the third night, I've proved beyond the shadow of a doubt that there are three persons in the Godhead. What did my proposition say? My proposition said that they are everlasting, eternal persons. And that, of course, he'll not deny that they're everlasting. Because God is forever and ever. He is the everlasting God. And we've proved that. Proved that beyond the shadow of a doubt. Who, my friends, can deny? He'll have to go back on the English grammar. He'll have to show that those personal pronouns do not refer to a person that they refer, refer to something it isn't a person. He's made a play upon you can't read where they're persons. He even said one night that if I could show where they were persons that he joined the Church of Christ. He didn't know enough about the Church of Christ not to know you can't join. Join the Church of Christ. Well, I've shown their person. Of course, we don't want him to join. We'd be glad to have him obey the gospel. But 
the Lord would have to do the adding whether he wanted him or not. That would be up to the Lord. He'd take him, however, he obeyed the gospel. Now, I know that that's plain, that we have the three persons of Christ, and my proposition says they exist, and Jesus Christ said that the Comforter be with you forever. What is the Comforter? Turn to John, uh, to John 14, 26. And when the Comforter, who which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, who said that Jesus Christ was the first person, but Jesus said the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, the second person there. Well, who else, Lord? Why, whom the Father will send. The Father's going to send what? The Father's going to send the Holy Ghost. Is the Father going to send himself? Why, no. We don't talk about things like that. Why, if you were to talk about somebody sending somebody somewhere, you'd never hear a man say, I sent myself to Indianapolis. Now, wouldn't that be something? I've got to get up in early in the morning and send myself to Indianapolis. What would you think of a man talked like that? Or somebody say, well, did you know that so-and-so sent himself over into Kentucky last week? You talk about ridiculous absurdity, that's it. Oh, I sent myself down to Tennessee the other day. Or, you know what I'm going to do next week? I'm going to send myself over somewhere to preach. Now, that's the way my opponent preaches. He's going to send himself somewhere. Well, he said, no, I don't say that, but he's used God to say it. Now, God is an intelligent being. God doesn't talk like that. Words are vehicles that carry ideas. And you can't mix words up like that. Jesus said that God sent not his son into the world, or John. God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved by him. Who sent him into the world? Oh, he sent himself. And the Bible says that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Gave him. Why, you can't have a gift without two persons, not to save your soul. You can't give yourself something. You've already got it. The gift has to pass from one to another. And God gave his son. God sent not his son. But God sent the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, in the name of the Son. And now I'll give you a little thought on that end. He keeps talking about the end. Now let's see about end. That end is from the Greek, E-N, and it's in the Danish case. It can't be used in any other case. Everywhere in Greek that you see the word E-N, it's in the dative case. It can't be used correctly in any other case. What does it mean? It means a medium by which something's done. Or it means a relationship of one to another. It does sometimes mean to be within a place. But that's just one of the means. And so when Jesus is talking about in my name, he's not, not talking about being into my name. If he had been, he would have used another word. He would have used a preposition there that's in the objective case. But here he didn't. He used a preposition that's in the dative case. And here it, my friends, it's always in the dative case. It cannot be used in any other case in the world. And, and so when he says in my name, 
He says, you do that by my authority. I'm the one that's telling you. Like the policeman would uh, start to arrest the man, the man go to run. The policeman would probably say, I command you to stop in the name of the law. Would you conclude that the criminal was in the bounds of the law? No, he's outlawed. But he's giving him the authority. I'm telling you, by the authority of the law, you better stop. And so Jesus Christ is saying things. He's going to send him in my name. He's going to send him because I'm going to pray for him to do it. I'm going to ask him to do it. And he's going to send him in my name. I'd like for my worthy opponents to tell me in the first speech now, what is prayer? That's a very simple question. Write it down, Mr. McGee. And answer it when you get up. What is prayer? What does a man do when he prays? Be sure to answer that. You'll forget it if you don't write it down. What does a person do when he prays? Now, that's important. You may think there isn't anything to it, but he knows there is because he isn't writing it down. He sees the point. What does a person do when he prays? When he prays, what does he do? Well, the first prayer is offered here. He kind of got himself in. He didn't do the praying, but the man prayed, and he prayed that God would send the Holy Spirit in a special measure for it, or a special uh, uh, way of sending the Holy Spirit to them. And they just couldn't even pray without getting more than one in. Now, don't forget to tell us, Mr. McGee, what does a man do when he prays? Thank you. Honorable opponent, honorable opponent, moderators, ladies and gentlemen, let me begin by wishing you all a very happy St. Patrick's Day. We appreciate Mr. Tarpey's little lesson in Greek. But may I remind him that our Lord was crucified under Hebrew, Greek, and Latin? Maybe his interests have been, Christ's interests I mean, have been equally detrimentally affected under Mr. Totty's Greek. I think such is the case. The proposition I would like to remind you is this, that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons. Notice, if you please, co-equal persons. I know I don't have to break that down to this intelligent audience. You already know the meaning of the word co-equal. So the proposition is that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. In other words, neither is greater than the other. They are equal. Now, if Mr. Carty's helper would let us have slide number 12, Slide number 12, 
bearing in mind tonight that the proposition is that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons. He says that, so I say it's not so. Let's have the slide. I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Does that sound like two co-equal persons? I go unto the Father, for my Father is greater than I. Mr. Toddy, if I were you, I would select those slides, I would pick my proof text, text a little bit more carefully. Think of it tonight. He's facing you as a congregation. How grossly he underestimates both your intelligence and your ability to read. He stands here and says that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons. When already he has flashed the screen, this slide on the screen half a dozen times, my father is greater than I. Co-equal indeed, but the father is greater than I. All right. Let's read Mark 13 and 32, and I want you to remember and keep in mind that Mr. Toby believes that the three members of his Trinity are co-equal. They are eternally co-equal. Mark 13, 32. The Son is the speaker. But of that day and that hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels which are in heaven, neither the Son, but the Father. Mr. Cobb is defending the proposition that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons. I have just read in your hearing, the Son confesses there's something which the Father knows and which he as the Son does not know. How co-equal are they? When the Father, divine person number one, knows certain things which the Son, the co-equal Son, divine number two doesn't know. Will he tell us tonight that they are co-equal in knowledge? All right, turn again to Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. Matthew chapter 24 and verse 36. But of that day and hour, the time of the second coming of the Lord, but of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Jesus said only the Father knew the time of the second coming. Only the Father knew. That means that not only did the Son not know, 
But according to Mr. Toby Divine Person number three, the Holy Spirit, he doesn't know either. If there are three persons in Mr. Toby's humanity, and they're co-equal, and that's what he's defending tonight, three co-equal persons, will he explain to this audience how one of those persons knows more than the other two? Things aren't going well with the Trinity. One God is holding out on the other two. Co-equal. Mr. Toddy, you told this congregation something which you may have thought was true, but certainly was very far from the truth. You told them I was embarrassed after I signed the proposition number one, agreeing to defend the supreme deity of the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm not embarrassed. Never was. Don't expect to be on that proposition. I'll defend it anywhere and against anybody. But let me tell you something. In proposition number two, you're bitten off more than you can chew. And you're, all bit, you're already beginning to regret it. And let me tell you something. You never debate again with anybody on this proposition that God eternally exists in three co-equal persons. You never do that again. Not when the Bible says my father is greater than I.